And then she kind of moved on to the self-massage, um, other therapies that the patient can incorporate. Like um, one of the really random ones was flower therapy, but also like sun therapy, water therapy, um, diet and exercise routines that they can do. So I really liked that it looked at the entire person. Welcome back to Do With Us, a series of the Forever Young podcast. We release episodes in the middle of every month. And if you're new here, feel free to subscribe and follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. I'm Charlene and I'm joined by Tom. Hey, yo, it's me. Not like there's anyone How else, you been? but <laughs> <laughs> I've been good. I've been good. How are you? I'm good. Um, it's a late, yeah, it's a late recording today so it's nice and quiet you won't hear any trains in the background hopefully yeah or be or nick yelling <laughs> yeah that's true mm-hmm. so what 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 was our book this week this month this month our book was curing ibs or Irritable Bowel Syndrome Naturally with Chinese Medicine by Jane Bean. That's it. <laughs> so. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically this book focused on a condition, and I think it's the first one that we've picked that focuses specifically on a condition rather than just Chinese medicine theories. Um, how did How did you find it? Was it easy to read? Yeah, I, I actually really like this book. This is like a very easy to read. You've generally passed that initial phase of knowing what Chinese medicine is. And now you're interested in learning more about sort of conditions. And in this case, it's IBS. And it's like having someone who's more experienced or has more cases in this or more knowledge. And they're just telling you what they've learned. It's like very casual, very chill. What about you? How did you find the book? Yeah, I agree. It was quite simple to read and it wasn't very or overly technical. Like it provided a lot of information, but it was just very like simple English, I guess. No technical jargon, um, but yeah, still being very informative, which was really good because IBS is quite a common condition and I feel like a lot of people will be curious as to what Chinese med has to offer but also like how they can, like what they can do themselves at home, which this book actually included a lot of. So yes, do you wanna, so much. Do you want to yeah, talk sorry, about quickly kind of what was covered in the book? So they sort of covered um, a very brief and rough introduction of what Chinese medicine is. They talked about like what the organs do. Um, she also defines what the definition of IBS is and the formulas, uh, lifestyle practices you can do other treatments that you can possibly use as well um, and acupuncture and herbs I think and some research at the end as well just to for some clinical relevance 
Was there anything I missed? No, I think that was a very good outline of what was in the book. Hmm. So. Yeah, something. Oh, no. you go. <laughs> Uh, I was just going to say something I liked about the book. Um, it it was very informal, right? So it gave me that sort of vibe of, hmm, like, a friend talking to you who's a practitioner, and they're like, you're like, if you ask him some questions, they're like, oh, I've done this before, blah, 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 and they'll tell you. So it's like, you don't feel it's like that, their English isn't that great, or their explanations explanations aren't, like, mind-bogglingly revolutionary. But it's nice. It's chill. I think... And it's a quick read. Yeah, and I think it'd be good if you are a practitioner and maybe you are struggling with explaining herbs or Chinese medicine or maybe some, like, um, alternative therapies to your patients. The way they... It, the book words it or the way um jane words it is actually quite simple for i guess anyone to understand and yeah so i think if you're a practitioner it is worth a read because it does go um through formulas and as well as acupuncture points and kind of acupressure and self-massage so yeah there's a lot there's a lot in the book do you did you enjoy reading the book just by itself i did but i think i think it's kind of a mood or like a mindset that i have to get into rather than just like casual reading i think it's maybe a little bit more specific knowledge that you're after when you read the book if that makes sense, it's not just like, oh, let me just pick up a novel and read this. It's, so the content is quite specific to IBS and to kind of helping treat and manage that. So, yeah. yeah. How would you find this one compared to like the eye diagnosis book that we just did? I think the eye one was very technical compared to this, like probably even more specific knowledge than this, if that makes sense. Yes. yes, yes, I agree. This one's very informal. So if you're looking for a more sort of very technical sort of book, eh, this one's kind of not really that great for it, but very good for like a reference book that you can always be like, oh, I forgot this book said this, this, this. Or like uh, if you're recommending patients to do stuff at home that can help for IBS, because IBS is like a big quality of life. Thing. Like you normally have a main condition plus IBS or like, yeah. or you have very bad sort of IBS. And I don't think there's a cure to IBS. It's kind of all about management of your symptoms. So yeah, it's good. So my question to you is, who do you think should read this book? Uh, I pro- pretty much like who you said as well. It's mainly more directed at... Uh, practitioners or sort of audience members who have at least a very rough understanding of what Chinese medicine, the organs, they already know sort of what's going on there. If you haven't, it's probably better to read introductory books like The Weber That Has No Weaver or Between Heaven and Earth first, just so you get a better foundation in terms of what the organs do, how IBS is created, what it is. 
Oh, we should talk about what IBS is. What What is IBS? What does it stand for first? Irritable bowel syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Very I good. passed the first what, test. What is it? <laughs> yes, you did. Now the second test. What is it? So it's also known as a spastic colon or mucus colitis. And it basically just involves the small intestine and the large intestine. Um not kind of moving as it should and it can cause symptoms of abdominal pain constipation diarrhea um, and it's quite um, related to stress or quite influenced by stress Um, but it can also be accompanied by things like bloating or flatulence nausea um, and just pain I guess as well Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add about ibs not really there's there's like accompanying symptoms that you can feel as well like uh irritability depression um anal or rectal pain back aches pelvic pain poor appetite they're all sort of like linked to having ibs that you can also experience as well that's about it for me so how does before we dive into Chinese medicine, I guess, what what does Western medicine kind of do for IBS, I guess? Because in Australia, Western medicine's still the first kind of place that people go to. And then once they figure out that maybe they have to be on medication for um, long-term or like Western medicine can't really do much, that's when they turn to Chinese medicine. Um, Generally, in general, there are people that go straight to Chinese medicine. But I guess what does Western medicine do or what is it not helping with that people um, do come to Chinese medicine for IBS? Does that question make sense? Uh. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it totally makes sense. I didn't want to cut you off when you were speaking. Um, Generally, my understanding is the first thing they normally recommend you is to look at, like, diet-related stuff. They normally prescribe... They normally tell you to eat, like, natural laxatives, like prunes first, if you're having uh, distension or blockages in that area. If not, they can prescribe you, like, like laxatives if you're having constipation, um... If you're having spasms in your gut, like you said, they can they can give you like medication to prevent gut spasms, and like if you're having diarrhea everywhere, you, they can prescribe anti-diarrhea medication. That's it. That's it for my for me. What about you? Do you know any? Yeah, more? I think. Or anything you want to add on? I think mostly it's just medications to treat the symptoms, um, and I think one thing they mentioned in the book. Wait, are we going? Is this a deep dive now? Are we discussing this does too sound much? Sort of like yeah, a deep okay. dive. This does sound like a deep dive. I'm gonna finish this train of thought and um, say that one interesting thing that I read was that one of the drugs that they prescribe to treat um, constipation, one of the side effects is constipation. So that was really, I really surprising for me. Like, why would you tr- prescribe a drug or medication to treat a symptom when it can cause 
the, the symptom. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was helped the gut by causing diarrhea. Uh, I meant by causing yeah, constipation. I was just so confused, but yeah. Anyways, before we reveal is, is it, too what? much more about the book. <laughs> Yeah, so that was the first segment of the episode where we sort of run through what to expect from the book. So if you're interested in purchasing the book, I think the book is around $36 on Amazon. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Um, if you're interested in getting it and you don't want any spoilers, feel, feel free to hit pause and we'll see you in the next segment. Welcome back to the deep dive, where hopefully you've read the book, or if you're too lazy, you can ha- come come listen to us sort of talk and discuss about it, I guess. Um, so, that being said, Charlene, I've got a question for you, even though you're the mm-hmm. only other host here. Um, <laughs> how did you think about how she sort of approached IBS? Because like, there's a, a lot of different ways she could have come about it. How'd you, mm-hmm. How did you find she went with it? In this book I really like the approach that she took um, she incorporated I guess she started with what the practitioner or Chinese medicine practitioner um, has to offer so the acupuncture the herbal medicine and then she kind of moved on to the self-massage um, other therapies that the patient can incorporate like um one of the really random ones was flower therapy, but also like sun therapy, water therapy, um, diet and exercise routines that they can do. So I really like that it looked at the entire the entire person um, and gave them the opportunity to kind of take control of their own health rather than just sitting back and just being like, okay, practitioner, you can help, like, just fix me. Yeah. So, <laughs> thoughts on approach? Yeah, I completely agree with what you just said. And you didn't like it all <laughs> during that whole thing. Very good. Very good. So, what were, what were your, I guess, thoughts on her approach? Is it different from how you approach it? Um, yes, like this sort of book isn't designed to be the forefront leading IBS book for Chinese medicine. It's sort of that one that it's meant for people who already have that commitment to TCM and already have that interest there. So it's not meant to hook you. It's meant to keep you sort of reeled in if that makes sense, in terms of learning the condition and what to expect already from it. That being said, did you learn, like, you talked about flower therapy. What is the flower therapy? That was super random. Um, I've never heard of that before. But she was talking about how you can look at flowers and take their, like, smell them and just be around in be around them and just be present with them and how when you smell like sniff them or smell them then um 
you're like breathing in and helping your chi to move um, and how it can relieve like pent up chi and also helps like the downward movement of chi if you are stressed and I guess it's interesting because IBS has such a like emotional um, or like mental kind of component to it Um, it's not something that I ever thought of and I thought it was really interesting not sure how I would recommend it to patients yes but yeah difficultly maybe give them some flowers and be like here you go take this home with you and sniff it three times a day for 30 seconds But then another thing she recommended was aromatherapy and that I can kind of understand a bit more and maybe you can incorporate the scents from flowers into your aromatherapy. Mm-hmm. I agree. She also, that that's a good thing that you mentioned how she offered so many different types of therapy other than just the traditional herbs and acupuncture or like moxa and stuff. It's like... She also had this other one, which was like hydrotherapy and light therapy. And she explained it from like a Chinese medicine perspective, which I really like. Because like those already exist, right? But no one's put that sort of Chinese medicine spin it at all. And I, I really like that. That was really cool. So like for hydrotherapy, she talked about how... Um... Uh, Taking baths and stuff, you can, like, free-flow the chi. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, But have you heard of how people talk about, like, taking cold showers? Yeah, and I liked that rather than just saying, like, oh, take a cold shower or, like, take a bath, she was like, okay, temperature-wise, you want it to be just above your body temperature and you want to do it for 15 to 20 minutes, but not too long that you start sweating because I feel like the the conventional approach to baths is, like, you want it longer and you want to kind of, like, sweat everything out. You want to relax and have all those, like, yeah a long time in the bath whereas I like that she was like okay if you're doing it to relieve your symptoms keep it short you don't want to sweat out your chi and your body fluids because that's gonna exacerbate things and not be helpful potentially yeah and she sort of explains it from the Chinese med side too with that how it looking like free flow chi and blood calms the spirit hastens sleep like all this stuff is like, oh, cool, this is how it sort of does what it does, if that makes sense. This is how it's going on in terms of the Chinese medicine's perspective. For sure. And I liked that she gave such in-depth, like, self-massage kind of um, routine. I don't know if it's called a self-massage routine, but she was like, for each symptom, or for this symptom, you should do these points in this direction or like this, this many times. And it was something that when we were in China, um, we saw a bit of like practitioners would recommend for sinusitis and things like that to do certain like um, acupressure and movements to kind of help move the chi and relieve the stagnation. But it's not really seen a lot or I haven't really seen it a lot in books here or practitioners um, taking that time to be like okay this is something you can do at home Hmm. 
I completely agree. I feel like it's such a foreign concept for us people, because we're obviously from Western countries, where it's like, just massage these points, this, this, and this, if you've got diarrhea, oh, you've got constipation, oh, use this, this, and this, massage this, this, and this for like 200 times or something, three times a day. And you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And it's, it also sounds really daunting when you're like, do it like 20 times for one point, and then you've given them like 10 points. They're like, but where do I find the time? Like, like it sounds like it's going to take a long time, but if you think about it, do it while you're watching the TV. Like, do it while you're just watching something on your phone. Yeah, um, waiting in we traffic. We spend so much time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we spend so much time kind of sitting around that I think we can incorporate it. People just, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this train of thought. <laughs> T- take control of your health, people. Mm. Do the self-massage. <laughs> and and it's it's free. That's the best thing as well. It's free. You don't have to pay money for yeah. it. Mm. Cool. That's true. That, <laughs> I, I think we covered that sort of topic. Is there anything else in this book that you wanted to discuss or be like, whoa, she talked about this. This was really, really cool. I really liked that she said ice cream is not good for a weak spleen. Why is ice cream not I good, feel for, like a good spleen, for a weak spleen? Because it's cold. I think we've discussed this in previous episodes, but I like that a book actually says it. Um, because ice cream is cold and your spleen likes warmth. So... Basically, to digest food, everything needs to be heated up. So if it's cold in temperature, then it's going to take a lot more energy to heat up and to digest. So if your spleen is already weak, it already doesn't have so much energy to be able to digest food. So you want to help it. You want to eat warm things and easy to digest things so that you're not further damaging it. So I really liked that she said ice cream is not great if you have a weak spleen. Yeah, and it's also the fact that it's um, dairy-related and sweet-related. Did you talk about that? Sorry. I no, I haven't. Okay, okay. <laughs> great. Um, great segue into being the spleen. <laughs> the spleen likes sweet things. Because that's normally where the sweet things go first. But if you have too much too much sweet things, or too often, it will damage the spleen. So, ice cream's pretty sweet. I don't think I've ever tasted not sweet ice cream. Have you? Mm, not, no. No, yeah. I don't think so either. Yeah. Mm. But the dairy... So the very dampness, sort of dairy, like fatty, high in fat sort of stuff. And the sweetness and the coldness is like soup. It's the trifecta, trifecta of spleen damaging properties, especially on a cold, empty stomach. So that's something to look out for. And I think, I think it's important to kind of eat to your constitution or what your IBS is kind of um, 
like the syndrome that your IBS actually is because there's so many syndromes that or organs that IBS can be related to and each person is different so can you give me an example of (laughs) eat towards your syndrome what is that what does that mean yeah so basically one of a whole bunch of syndromes that I'm just going to lift list off is like it could be a spleen chi deficiency with damp or it could be like a spleen chi deficiency with food stagnation or it could be like a damp heat or it could be a spleen and liver um, liver chi stagnation with some heat syndromes in there. So basically with a weak spleen, you don't want to eat too much um, cold, greasy or um, fried food, whereas if you've got something like damp heat that is heat as well, you may be able to incorporate some cooling foods, if that makes sense. Your face is just like, what? <laughs> no, I, I think there's a lag, but you oh, okay. said something weird that I was like, what? what did she just say? That does not make sense at all. But what the last bit you said, I completely agree. Yeah, so I guess in general, ice cream is bad for a weak spleen. Um, And if you have IBS, I don't think I would ever recommend ice cream to you. Um, But I guess there are situations where maybe cooling foods like cucumber may benefit you. Benefit you more than cold cold temperature-wise food. So... So Charlene's talking about the cold-natured foods. So things like cucumbers, um, melons tend to be quite cold in nature as well. So all like mints, spearmints, like those sort of teas, they're also very cold in, prop- uh, cold in nature. It's very different to cold in temperature, if that makes sense. So the spleen generally, the spleen and stomach generally like... Um, warm in natured foods not hot mind you but sort of cooked uh warm is that it cooked and warm food yeah like cooked warm food so rather than say like a salad even though a salad is nutritious if your spleen is weak it would probably prefer like cooked vegetables like lightly boiled or lightly steamed vegetables just so that it's taking less energy to break down the food and get the nutrients yeah and something i also liked in this is that she recommends that if your spleen is sort of going sort of crazy she recommends a very like simple bland diet so eating stuff like tofu stuff that generally western culture doesn't really like to eat because they taste kind of yucky and they don't taste great but yeah, that's that's one of the three pillars that she recommends in terms of lifestyle changes that you can make to help your IBS or your patient's IBS. Do you remember the other two, Charlene? Quiz? Exercise? Yes. Why does she recommend and exercise? Oh, yeah. Yep. What else? R- relaxation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exercise promotes the movement of chi and helps the blood to move as well. So um, 
that can help relieve some of the symptoms of the IBS if you've got like pain and something's kind of stuck or um, maybe constipation your bowels aren't moving properly that gentle movement um, will help all the chi in your bloody in your bloody in your, your bloody body, <laughs> in your body flow yeah hmm. why else what? and then yep uh, I was gonna say I liked that she was very specific with her um exercise advice like um do aerobic activity raise the heartbeat to 80 percent for 20 minutes um but also your exercise shouldn't cause any damage to body parts so like for example running can sometimes be bad on the knees um and things like that so i like that she was general but specific at the same time yeah it sort of feels like she's talking to us that we have ibs and she's like I have IBS. This is my thought process. As soon as I know that you have IBS, it's like when you exercise, you want to do this, this, and this. Oh, also meditation or relaxation. When you do meditation, relaxation, you need to do this, this, and this. Like, there's there's no sort of bullcrap with her where she doesn't. She cuts sort of cuts straight to the point, and she's not messing around. But I think this book is a little bit older as well because she was talking about like guided meditation tapes. Oh, tapes? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Who listens to tape nowadays? And I was just like, oh, well, there's an app for that now. So. <laughs> uh, this book was published in the year 2000, so it's actually 20 years old. Oh, happy birthday, book. <laughs> uh, 20 years old. Okay, I don't think the birthday is today, but. Yeah, happy 20th birthday, book. I don't know, round numbers just kind of make me want to say happy birthday. <laughs> so, like, if it was like 20 years today, 30 years today, 50 years today, I always want to say, oh, congrats, or happy birthday. Happy birthday. But, but I'm 99 years old. Well, I'll see you next year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of birthdays, it's actually one of our friends' birthday today. Mm-hmm. So I'm a shout out and say happy birthday, Karina. Yes, happy. Is she? Is she, does she have a round number though? Is it a round number? It's not a round number, but the day of recording is her birthday, but not the day of release. Uh, so, yes. hmm. so <laughs> happy birthday, Karina. When your birthday is a round number. No, I'll also, I'll shoot her a Facebook message to wish her happy birthday as well. But we digress. Yes, we do digress. Let's move on to the main forms of treatment in Chinese medicine. So acupuncture and formula and herbs, herbal formula. Did you cover anything new in terms of any of these two? I think there were formulas that maybe I'm not so familiar with um, that she mentioned because she is based in the US as well. So I think um, the stuff that they learn or have is a little bit different to what we have. But I think majority of the her um, the acupuncture points, sorry, were kind of similar to what we would use as well. Exactly the same. I completely agree. Like, Acupuncture, there wasn't really anything new. I guess she sort of classes acupuncture points like you should in terms of constipation, diarrhea, and like pain or distension in the 
in the middle sort of abdominal area but nothing too new or too explicit that I would like to mention about. I will say though I liked that she included modifications for each um, formula because I guess when we were back in uni it was something a little bit more difficult um, to kind of grasp when we should be um, modifying and um, what herbs to actually modify with. So I do like that she added in her thoughts and like the way that she would modify for different symptoms and things like that. And she explained it as well in the book. She was like, oh, if they don't have this, then I wouldn't use this and I would take it out, which um, I think is not very commonly seen like a lot of books will just say this is the base formula and then add your own modifications but they won't kind of yes be specific about it yeah exactly so they'll be like learn on the job this is what you should know good luck sort of thing where she sort of free like she sort of freely flows everything she sort of knows about this topic which is quite a lot obviously from the book being published and everything but I do really like that as well. She she really does give you sort of her inside thoughts and the extra points that other books don't normally tell you. Um, there is there is a formula that I did want to talk about that she covered quite specifically, which was the Tung Xie Yao Fang. So this is the formula that I realized that she explained quite in detail and when treating treating sort of similar sort of conditions that are spleen deficiency or liver deficiency, she'd be like, ah yes, you can add this one, this formula with Tung Xie Yao Fang because Tung Xie Yao Fang is so good for all IBS sort of conditions. So I think that was probably the one of the strongest takeaways from me was just slap on Tung Xie Yao Fang if the symptom fits, and then you can modify from there. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I also like that she was like licorice to um, moderate against any harsh effects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you read that bit? Yeah, I did read that bit as well. I think I think that's pretty important because the spleen is such an important organ to do with like you getting all your nutrients and creating chi and blood that if there are kind of any harsh um formula not formulas herbs in your formula then you do kind of want to minimize the effect that it has in the body and one herb that is often overlooked is gantal or licorice and it's actually really good yeah it's it's like the glue of chinese medicine formulas it's like if you want something to work, to bring it sort of all together, that's sort of what Gantau does. What's a Gantau? Just really brings everything all all condensed in sort of the middle, which I really like as well. Such a good herb. It is. It's also good as tea, like licorice tea. Eh, not so much for me. No. No. It's like the... If you have IBS, it's a good tea. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, is... So was there... Yep. 
Oh, so what out of this book, I guess, stood out to you most and you will incorporate into kind of your treatments or your advice for your patients? Uh, I, I really liked the formula, like I was saying before. The acupuncture treatments wasn't too different on how I would treat patients now, but definitely the herbs. She even placed emphasis on saying that Chinese practitioners back in the ancient days used herbs as their primary form of treatment and acupuncture as their secondary one. So that's why she was like clearly emphasizing use herbs. If you're going to use herbs, make sure you do it right sort of thing. Yeah, totally agree because IBS is a long-term-ish condition and I think we said previously there isn't really a cure for it and if you want to affect the body the constitution the strongest uh, herbs is more effective than acupuncture in my opinion so anything long-term chronic would definitely use herbs for yeah I agree it's like sort of that thing that your body needs to boost itself back so it needs that external help rather than acupuncture, which is sort of like asking your body to do it. It's sort of bringing in other stuff is how I see using herbs. Hmm. I think if you just do acupuncture only, you would see results, but um, not as quickly as yeah. if you are using herbs. Yeah. And the same vice versa. If you're using herbs, you may you can use acupuncture and that will boost the body to sort of get better results even faster as well. Any any criticism or anything that you didn't really like as much about the book? Um, or or wish was included that wasn't not really not really for me i quite i really like this book <laughs> you really rate it yeah like it's so. it's one of those ones that not everyone talks about but it's sort of like that building block of like no airy misty sort of like ah yes if you want to know you have to learn that sort of thing is just like, this is what I've learned. It's all out for you. Here you go. Um, do what, do with it what you will, but this is what I've found and I've been treating for X amount of years. If you want results, use this. Here's some clinical studies that help back up what I'm trying to say. And this is the results of these ones. Here you go. I like those sort of books, but I guess one possible criticism is that if she was directing this to the general public, she could write it in a way that makes you think a lot more. Because this book doesn't really delve into the philosophy that Chinese medicine normally holds in terms of its rich culture and nature. But yeah, what about you? Do you have any criticisms for the book? I feel like I did have something, but it's gone. Like my train of thought <laughs> is just like I've convinced not there you. There's no criticism. You must have. I'm, I'm a believer now. I'm a believer. Damn it! Have... No, I think it was really. Um, I 
I liked the approach in that they kind of allocated a decent chunk of the book to the home remedies, to things that you can do, and uh, like a same, same chunk or portion to also the herbs and um, the acupuncture. So I do like the way it was kind of structured and laid out, and it was super simple to understand. Um, was it too simple yeah. to understand, though? I don't think so when... I don't think so. No? <laughs> when you when you kind of consider who it was targeted for. So I don't think she was targeting practitioners for this book. So I don't think it's too simple. Okay. Yeah. Wait, you don't think she was targeting practitioners? Who do you think she was targeting then? Um, a bit of the general public as well. Um, I think that because the section was titled Home Remedies, I feel like she was um, kind of talking more to students or general public. It seems a bit simple if it was targeted at practitioners. Maybe I should put it that way. Yeah. Mm. But I think in the thing, in her introduction, um, she was like a layperson guide to diagnosis treatment of IBS with Chinese medicine. Right. So she set it um, out at the so, start. Yeah. And um, I think one of the things is, like, she said you could choose your own self-help techniques or, like, kind of, like, choose your own venture, make a story out of it, and, yeah, pick and choose what you want to do. So, yeah, I think that's why I got the impression it was more for general public and not practitioners. Yeah, I can agree with that. So, Charlene, how many yin-yang logos do you give this out of, I don't know, five, ten, whatever you want? Um, let's give it four out of five. Four out of five. Wow, that's that's amazing. That's an eight out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fancy. That's good. Yeah, I, I appreciate that she incorporated more than just acu and herbs i think like this entire podcast i've been saying that um i really do like the holistic approach mm. and like what you, about you you think more books should sort of have that sort of holistic approach is that why yeah i think so i mean me personally i prefer books that do talk about like lifestyle food um other therapies to just straight these are the herbs, these are the acupuncture that you should do, um, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, it feels yeah. very sort of like Western conventional medicine. Here's your drugs. All right, see you later. Mm. Yeah. That sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that's me personally. I tend to gravitate more towards book um, books that have that lifestyle um, component to it. Yeah, that empower the mm. sort of patients or individuals to fix mm. their, like help themselves. Yeah. What uh, about you? How many Yin Yang logos would you give this? I wish we had a better critiquing system. Yin Yang logos sounds so, <laughs> so bad. But uh, I would, I would probably give it a three point seven five Yin Yang logos. Hmm. So yeah, still, still quite up, quite up there. The the. Yeah. 0.75 yeah. <laughs> like what it's, influenced that decision i think it's 
just shy. So I think for me, four out of five is like, wow, this book is like almost mu a must recommend for most people who are interested in Chinese medicine. I think this one is just shy of that because of the language and the nature of the book itself. It's a bit too simple in terms of the languages and comprehension that they use, but it still has a lot of rich sort of details if you want to learn more about IBS. It's like a good stepping stone to learn about IB more like delving into IB IBS sort of thing, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. It's like the pre-specialist yeah. book <laughs> that's really easy and really fun to read. Yeah, I, I would it. agree. Yeah. There you go. Well, <laughs> we hope this offers some insight for you for um, using I curing IBS naturally with Jane Bean. And thank you for listening to Do With Us. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group for book discussions. And... And we've been the Forever Young Podcast and we'll read with you next time. Bye. Bye.